Thanks, Don. Just wanted to uh, <clears throat> piggyback on a couple of things here. Um, I had mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think, that uh, we're going to be, uh, we're looking for some TVs. And I uh, said this is a great opportunity for you to uh, enlarge the uh, uh, the TV that you have because today is Super Bowl Sunday. And um, if you would like your children to go to uh, the uh, the nursery, uh, they're kind of gathering up back there and heading that way. But uh, there's still time before the big game to get a new uh, TV. And so um, uh, the, maybe you know that uh, there's a fundraiser out there for the youth group that's going on. And um, uh, we had asked if anybody was going to be uh, trading out. And uh, we had a great TV donated. We had another contribution made to a TV. And uh, then something happened. And Jim, I just need to apologize to you. I thought maybe you were mistaken. And he, he told me last week before church, sorry, he said, I was at Walmart and I saw a 70 inch TV and it was like 450 bucks. And I thought, man, he's got to be mistaken. They can't be that cheap, you know? Well, I was in Walmart yesterday, 70 inch TV, he was wrong. 448, 448 bucks, 448 bucks. And so we've had $200 donated. And, and so, um, uh, you know, maybe if, uh, you'd want to throw in a couple more bucks on that deal and, and, uh, that's up to you. Uh, you don't have to do that, but, uh, maybe we'll pick one of those up today and, uh, there'll be a really nice TV. Uh, Laura is, uh, looking forward to working, uh, with, uh, Sarah, uh, on, uh, there's a, the classroom down there and, uh, we've been doing some kids club things in there and kind of doing some renovating there. And, uh, we might be doing a little bit of, um, uh, work with some of the kids club kids and another program and things like that. So there are things that are going on around here. I want you to be excited about them. If you get a chance to drive out to, uh, uh, the corner of 256 and Port Byron Hillsdale Road, right across the street from the Riverdale Elementary School, uh, Jim and, uh, Ryan and, uh, and Randy Denicus and Roger and myself were out there and, uh, we put a sign up there on Wednesday about Kids Club. You can kind of drive by and see that. And those are just fun things that are going on around here. I want you to know about those things that are happening. It's important that we do those things. Hey, listen, um, if you've been around here for the last several weeks, you know that we've been talking about heaven. We've been talking about heaven. If you haven't been around here and you want to watch any of those, I think you can go online at, uh, our church website and you can listen to those or watch those and kind of catch up on what's been going on uh, with that series. And um, this morning we're going to conclude that series and it's going to kind of end in a different uh, kind of a tone and a different kind of way because uh, what I'm going to be doing is covering a bunch of scripture and a bunch of different things and talking about heaven. But really at this as we start this thing, a picture if I was trying to explain to somebody that had never had a car before and I started off by explaining what a carburetor was, right? And then after that, we kind of said, uh, well, what, what, what's a shock absorber, right? And, and you start to just kind of look at these pieces. It's kind of like a puzzle. And you're kind of looking at this one or you're looking at this one. And you say, how does this all go together? But after you get to look at a few more pieces of the puzzle, it sort of begins to take shape. And so this morning, we're going to be asking this question, where is heaven located? Now, so far, we kind of talked about uh, heaven. Would you want to go there? Would you not want to go there? What are we going to do when we get there? And uh, we said, yes, there's going to be very fulfilling work to be done there. And it's going to be awesome work because after we work really hard, we're always going to feel really good about our work. And there's going to be people there that are going to love us. And we've never lived in a place where uh, we, we've never experienced that before, where everywhere I go, everyone loves me. 
We've never experienced that before. There's always somebody you're kind of wondering, you know, and, and so heaven's going to be awesome, but where is heaven going to be located? Now, um, this is, it's kind of interesting. It's going to kind of unpack and unfold. Where is it going to be located? And um, sometimes when I uh, wake up in the morning and I'm all warm and snuggly in my bed, I think to myself, oh, this is heaven. Is heaven, but no, it's not going to be there. Where is heaven going to be located? Where is it going to be located? So we're going to start here. Revelation chapter 21. Now think about this. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first, second John, the, the guy that wrote to these, um, Jesus spent a lot of time with John. And John was one of the original 12 apostles. Uh, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, he writes uh, part of the Bible. Um, God gave John a special revelation. He gave him a revel- sort of a view of the future. And he writes all of that down in the book of Revelation. And so all of this that we read comes from God. And it's delivered to us through Scripture. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. John has been given this revelation of what heaven is going to look like after all of the things have taken place, and this is what he reports to us. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Everybody just say earth. Earth. Yeah, it was pathetic. So then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. He says, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. No longer any sea on this new earth that he looked at. Just keep that in mind. Way, way much later, uh, we're going to come back to the idea that there was no sea on this earth that he looked at. He said, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. So, just kind of picture that. Giant, giant, giant city. And if you've ever watched any of the Avengers movies or things like that, you see these kind of crazy big things that can take. And so you just kind of picture, picture this giant city coming down, coming down from heaven. But it's a beautiful, a wonderful city, okay? And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men. And he will live with them. God living with mankind. Where? Uh, They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things, the old order of things has passed away. Where will heaven be located? Well, I kind of want to just sort of start to unpack this thing. Where is this new earth going to be? The new earth. Where is it going to be? The new earth. What is it? Well, throughout Scripture, um, there's uh, every time that this new earth is is talked about and heaven is talked about, it's talked about not as a listen. And, and I know this is kind of headier stuff, and it's a little bit different than some of the other things that we do. But it's never talked about as a non-earth. It's always talked about as a new earth. 
That's what it's talked about. And when, when God created mankind and in, in the book of Genesis, he, he reaches down, he pulls that dust up out of the, uh, the ground and forms Adam. It's as if to say, uh, Adam was made not only from the earth, but then he puts him to work. He was made for the earth. And then in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, before Jesus ever walked around the earth, some 750 years before Jesus was ever around here in the book of Isaiah, the prophet uh, writes this down. He says, and it's talking about things that were coming. He says, for this is what the Lord says. He who created the heavens, you just talked about God creating um, the heavens, is, he is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he formed it. He did not create it to be empty but formed it to be inhabited. God put us on this earth. God's purpose was to live in an an intimate fellowship with mankind on this earth. Genesis tells us that God would go for walks in the garden. God made the Garden of Eden, and he put Adam and Eve in the garden, and it was perfect, and it was flawless, and it was spectacular. And God would meet them there, and he would walk through the garden on this earth with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And now we know that man sinned, and that's called the fall. And that's when all of these things became corrupted at the fall of man. They were given the choice: uh, Do you do you want to uh, live completely and totally for me, or you know, there's uh, is there anything out there that you'd rather explore? And then the devil shows up, and and he starts to trick them, and he say, hey, you, you really can't trust God, which is the biggest lie of all. And and they were tempted, and then uh, sin came into the world, and. Uh, Question, did the fall cause God to abandon his original purpose that he would spend time on earth with mankind? Inspired by the Holy Spirit, again, that's a part of God communicating uh, to uh, Peter, uh, the apostle Peter. Uh, remember, uh, Peter was Peter spent a lot of time with Jesus when Jesus was here, and Jesus, uh, Peter was there at the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And then Peter was there at the beginning of Acts when they when they were all standing around. They watched Jesus literally ascend up into the heavens, and they watched him go up. And then the Holy Spirit says, "What are you guys looking for? He's no longer here. You know, he's going to come back, but he's not here anymore." And then they were, it was the day of Pentecost, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit shows up as tongues of fire and they could speak in all of the languages of the people there and then Peter preaches that very first sermon and so he's filled with the Holy Spirit and he's preaching and he says this in Acts chapter 3 verse 21 he says he must remain in heaven they were talking about where's Jesus what's what happened with Jesus he must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through the holy prophets Peter does not say that Jesus will be in heaven until the time comes for God to destroy everything. He says he's going to remain up in the heavens until the time comes for God to restore everything. Restore the earth. Restore the earth. Uh, do you remember when the rich young ruler, there's a rich young ruler, a rich guy comes up to Jesus and he says, uh, what must I do to have eternal life? What do I need to do? And Jesus says, well, you need to sell everything you have and you need to give your money to the poor and then you need to come and follow me. 
And all the other disciples are going, wait, what? You know, that, that, that's a big order. Who, who can go to heaven? Who is actually going to go to heaven? And then Jesus begins to uh, sort of communicate to them. And Jesus says this uh, to them. So Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. At the renewal of all things, uh, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So there is apparently going to be a place where there is a gathering. Where is that place going to be? Where is that place going to be? Well, um, again, uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, uh, a long, long time before Jesus ever said those things in the book of Isaiah, it reads very, very much like John's prophecy that he saw that we read in the book of Revelation. He says, um, he says this, Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered. So we're not going to remember all of those things, nor will they come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what God I will create, he says. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will never be heard no more. He says, I will create a new earth. Now, some say uh, Isaiah is a prophet. He's talking about things that are going to take place in the future. And so this new earth prophecy, it's a prophecy. So it's a metaphor, right? It's a symbolism. It doesn't mean literally uh, this earth will be made new, does it? Well, Isaiah's the guy that wrote just a few chapters earlier in Isaiah chapter 53. Remember the verse that says, uh, talking about Jesus by his stripes, we are healed. And we read that and say, see, that's evidence that Jesus, when he was beaten with the whip and he was cut open, his blood was shed for us. We say, oh, see, that shows that it's a literal prophecy, right? So is it possible that this is literal prophecy as well, that this earth will be a newly made earth? Hmm. So one of two things is happening right now. You're either saying, when is this over? Or you're saying, well, this is, or you're saying this is kind of interesting. And so you, you're all on the spectrum somewhere, okay? And so uh, now, second, uh, second Peter. Here's Peter again. He's inspired by the Holy Spirit to write. And listen to what Peter says. He says, uh, first of all, uh, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and uh, following their own evil desires. Uh, they will say, "Where is it? when is this going to happen? When, you know, Jesus, he's been gone for a while. When, are, when is all this stuff going to take place? Uh, when, is, uh, when is this coming uh, to, where is, where is this uh, coming uh, he promised. All right, so here we go. I'm lost. All right. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But, but they deliberately forgot that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. 
By these waters also the word, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. And so here, here's what Peter's talking about. He's saying there are people that are going to say, well, you know, Jesus has been gone for a long time. When's all this going to take place? Well, he says, well, the same thing happened back in the day of Noah. Uh, the people were just kind of going about their business, uh, doing their own thing. And that God, remember, God made everything, uh, formed it from water, but then he used those same water uh, to destroy, to destroy, to destroy the earth. Remember, there was a big flood, but God went to Noah and he said to Noah, I'm just going to set you you and your family aside, put the, the animals on the ark, and we're going to preserve them. And all of those things are going to be destroyed. But then he continues and he says, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. They're not going to be destroyed next time by water, but they've been reserved next time they're going to be destroyed by fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men, just in the same way that he destroyed the ungodly men from the flood. He's going to do that next time by fire. He says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. That means don't get wrapped up in how long these things are taken. It's all in God's time. He says, um, he says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance so that they too can go to heaven, right? But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. That means we don't know when Jesus is going to return. The heavens will disappear with a roar and the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in the land will be laid bare. Since everything is going to be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. You ought to look forward to the day that God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promises, he's looking, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of a righteousness. He, God, destroyed the earth by water and got rid of all of the unrighteousness of the earth, yet he preserved a remnant in the ark, and then all of, he preserved the remnant of the animals in the ark, and so it was all, but then it was made new for a new people to start living in a completely righteous world. That's what took place then. We are to be eagerly awaiting a new earth. Eagerly awaiting a new earth. The prophets prophesied about a new earth. Uh, John was inspired by the Holy Spirit when he wrote about a new earth. Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit when he talked about the new earth. Uh, should we be anticipating a new earth? Romans chapter 8, verse 20 and 20 to 22 says, For the creation was subjected to frustration. Creation was. Not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom 
of the children of God. There's going to be this renewal and even creation is crying out. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Here's the question. How can creation have hope if annihilation is its future? Creation, the creation that we know and understand, is longing for something in the future. But how can it long for something in the future if annihilation, and and, and it's all going to simply go away, and everything that we know and understand disappears, and now there's some kind of a new heaven? Dun, dun, dun. Question number two. Did God make the earth just to incinerate it? Did God make the wor- the, this earth just, just, just to make it go away? Well, some say, um, but Peter says it's all going to burn away. Well, the reality is, is that fire does not annihilate matter, right? Doesn't make matter go away. And so now we're going to spend some time. Are, you, are your heads spinning yet? Uh, are you husband? And the reasons this earth is the new earth. Write these things down. Reasons this earth is the new earth. There are two different words in the New Testament, a Greek word, that both of them mean the word new. There's the Greek word neos, which means new in time or brand new, or it never existed before. We understand what that is, new. But there's the word kainos, which is also the Greek word for new, and it means, it means new in quality. New in quality. When the new earth is re, uh, re, refreshed and, and made new, uh, Scripture is always uh, using the word, uh, the, the word kainos, which means not brand new, but restored new. That's what it says. So in Revelation chapter 21, verse 5, when it says, He who was seated at the throne said, I am making everything new. It's the word kainos. Now, how many of you guys have ever burned a ditch? Uh, you know, you burned a field. Uh, you've seen that. You're going down the road and you see all this smoke and you look over and, and they're burning the field out and or, the, or they're burning the ditch out. And then uh, by the time they're done, it's completely black. It's all been, been wiped out. But then uh, maybe even the next day it rains and two days later you drive by that same ditch and it's already bright green. You've seen this before? Anybody? Are you still there? Yep. And you've seen this before. Good. And you've seen that before. And so it's been made new by fire. It's been completely destroyed, yet made new by fire. And so that's, that's what that is. Um, uh, Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's the word kainos. The old has gone. The new has come. So a new earth doesn't mean that one that has never existed before. It means one that has been restored and made new that way. A new earth. When he talks about a new earth, it doesn't mean a new existence, a different, a different kind of... But the earth will be made new. Second way that the earth is going to be similar to the new earth. It says, 
Uh, write this down. It is compared to the effects of the flood. We've talked already about this. God destroyed uh, the earth by the flood, and then he uh, made it new again with those waters. Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 6 says, Then he used the waters to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. Now, that, that word destroyed, you would say, well, that means it's all going to go away. Uh, well, did he destroy the earth, or did he make the earth new again through the floods. God did not completely um, destroy it or rid of the existence of the earth, but he made it new. The same word is used um, in uh, destruction. And that also, we have all seen uh, examples of things being made new in fire. Um, you ever, you ever, there's a show on Netflix. It's called Blown Away. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Uh, this is, it's glass blowing. It's glass blowing. It starts off as sand and they make this a glass and they make it new in the fire. And we've seen, and the impurities burned out. And we've seen, example, gold is purified uh, by fire. And these things are made new by fire. He is going to prepare the earth for a brand new people, us who have been made renewed in a renewed place. Number three, write this one down. God will not let Satan win the battle of the earth. God is the ultimate salvation artist. What God did for you and I in removing our sin and making us new in him, he can do the same thing for planet earth. So we move on, write this down in your bulletin. How will it be like or unlike the old earth? How will the new heaven on this earth be like or unlike the old earth? Write this down. There will be no more sea. When when John was writing in the book of Revelation, there will be no more. See, here's just kind of a fun fact. You know that um, people live on about 10% of the Earth's population. About 10% of the Earth's population, uh, the surface of the Earth, 10% of the Earth's surface is inhabitable, right? Um, and so what percentage of the Earth is covered by oceans or by lakes, uh, by water? Uh, what percentage of the Earth's surface is covered by polar ice caps? What percentage of the Earth's surface is covered by large deserts? Uh, only about 10% of the surface of the Earth is inhabitable. But what if the new earth has no more seas and everything is sort of restored and made new? Put, think about this. Here's, this is going to twist your head, okay? At Genesis chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, at creation. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. Uh, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was, there was no one to work the ground. And so as God begins to create the earth, um, before man was even there, it was just this mass. That's what, that's what he says. Uh, there was no, it wasn't raining at all. But there were these streams that were flowing around. Um, uh, there were, so verse 6 says, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. And so at creation, do you, do you know this? Do you know that there is no recorded rainfall on planet earth in the Bible until the flood? 
There's no recorded rainfall. And so God created the Garden of Eden. It's referred to as being a garden state and that Adam and Eve were in this beautiful tropical type garden and God would go for walks with them and it had never ever rained And there were only streams that were watering the ground until came the flood. And that's the first recorded evidence of any rain. And so is it possible that that's the first time it ever rained? And that's why the people were watching Noah going, what are you building a boat for, dude? Look around, right? And and then it starts to rain and they're kind of going... Oh, wow. And then the waters start to come up, and all of a sudden, then the waters descend. And after that, then there's these oceans. And so, if you could take the planet and not make it 10% inhabitable, but those things, and who knows, God, you're familiar with the theory of continental drift, and maybe that'll just go one step bigger and suck all that water inside, and, and then all of a sudden the entire earth will be this big tropical place where, oh, we're all, you know, there's 7 billion people now living on 10%. Are, 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 are you with me, or are you, are, are you checking out, and are you, when you, you know, are you going to listen to the door click when you go home and get in your car, it's the last time you're ever going back to this? The, <laughs> the curse will be removed. Write that one down. The curse will be no fear, no tears. How is this earth going to be? Un, how is the next earth going to be unlike this earth? The curse will be removed. No tears, no working the soil, no thorns, and no poisonous weeds or or, or, or harmful animals. No bugs biting on your skin or poisonous snakes or uh, those kinds of things are are just all going to be gone. All going to be gone in the new earth. Write this down. Number three. Uh, we are going to engage in all kinds and, and all of our senses. We're going to engage in all of our senses. We are going to feel and taste and smell and hear and touch. Uh, we are going to work and play and learn and spend time with friends. And we are going to eat in heaven. We saw that Jesus in his resurrected form, he ate in heaven. And, and Jesus told the churches in Ephesus that uh, they were going to be uh, eating of this new manna. He told uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, that says... Uh, that uh, he would give the church uh, the hidden manna. And so that's another form. He talked about uh, the uh, 12 kinds of fruit that are on the tree of life and in, in heaven. And Revelation chapter 19, verse 9 says, Blessed are those who are invited uh, to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And when Jesus was there at the Last Supper, he gathered all of his disciples around him. At the Last Supper, he said, I am not going to eat with you again in this way until... The new earth, the new place, at the new table, in the new place, the restored earth. All right, well, that begs the question. Will there be animals on this new earth? Well, God seems to have a special affection for animals. Uh, God told Adam to name all of the animals. He didn't tell them to name the plants. Uh, in the Old Testament law, there's 613 laws in the Old Testament, and if you broke any of them, you were condemned to die. That was the that was the law. But within the provisions of the 613 laws of the Old Covenant, there were special provisions made for the animals. For the animals, um, they were uh, the day of rest. You know, the Sabbath the Sabbath day is a day of rest. Well, the animals are supposed to rest <laughs> too. Um, maybe you remember Jonah. Uh, Jonah went and preached in Nineveh. 
And uh, he didn't like the Ninevites, but uh, and so he went and preached, and the people repented, and they turned to the Lord. And then after he got done doing that, remember, uh, Jonah goes up on the hillside, and he's looking down over the city of Nineveh, and he's pouting, and he's mad because he doesn't like those people, and he's waiting for God to destroy the people of Nineveh. But God comes, and he shows up in the last chapter of uh, the book of Jonah, and he says, uh, he says Jonah, have, have heart. He says, have, have heart. He says, look at, there's 120,000 people down there. I care about those people. And he says, and look at the fields. They're covered with cattle. He says, I don't want to destroy the people. I don't want to destroy those animals either. And so will there be, well, Psalm chapter 150, verse 6 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Who knows what kind of animals there might be. Maybe extinct species. Maybe the dinosaurs will be back and roaming around and Maybe you'd be able to put a saddle on one of the big ones and go for a ride, right? It's not going to eat you. And uh, maybe there'll be other kinds of species that we don't even know of that will be there. What will heaven be like? Here's what we know heaven will uh, be like. Is it, is it going to be this place? Scripture seems to indicate that this earth, God's just simply going to, he's going to burn it all off and it's all going to pop up. It's going to be perfect. And here's where we will be. Now, Scripture also says we're not necessarily going to remember all of these things. But when we're there, we're guaranteed it's going to be better than anything that we can begin to hope or imagine even now. It's going to be fantastic. You are going to want to be in heaven. That's why God went through all of the steps That's why God formed the earth to put mankind here. He knew when he created it that we would have a tendency towards sin. And so he provided for us a way to have our sins removed through Jesus Christ, his son, that paid the price for our sin on the cross. And he says, for anyone that believes in Jesus Christ and makes him Lord and Savior of their life and gives their life over to Jesus and lives for him, that heaven is our future. And we can try to imagine what it will be like, but we probably really can't grasp, but we simply know that it will be good. So maybe you've heard the song before. It's been around for a long, long time. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. But think about the words of this song. I can only imagine.